Let's open up our Bibles to the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 19. Appreciate the singers and the musicians. I might go to J.C. Penney after service, go get me a white shirt and preach with that tonight. Hallelujah. <laughs> I made it here. And you know what's funny? I told him, I said, you know what? I missed my flight I, right as it went off. I was like, but I was told Louise, I was like, you know what? It smells good. There's authentic Spanish food all throughout the, the terminal. I was like, let's go get something to eat. As I'm walking up to get something to eat, they bring out the clothes sign. I'm like one step away. They brought out the clothes sign. I was like, okay, that's not going to work. And the whole drive here, it rained. It was like storming. I'm like, what is going on with my life? You know? <laughs> Like we must going to have some real good church this morning for, for all that to happen. Hallelujah. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 19. If you have it, say amen. amen. And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature that was the name thereof, and Adam gave names to all cattle and to the fowl of the air and to every beast of the field. But, but for Adam there was not found and help me for him. And the Lord God caused the deep sleep to fall upon Adam and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, this is now... Bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh, she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. I want to preach to you on this subject this morning, pathways of release, pathways of release. Why don't you lay your Bibles down, close your eyes, lift up your hands, and let's ask the Lord to do exactly what he wants to do. Can you open up your mouth and pray right now? Oh, God, I ask that you would baptize this congregation with a fresh anointing, with a fresh unction. Do something in us from the front to the back. Minister to needs. Minister to hurts. Minister to wounds, God. Do something in us. Give me the, the mind of God here this morning. I follow you. I trust not in my flesh. I trust not in my intellect. I trust in your spirit to help me. In Jesus' name, amen. Can you clap your hands unto the Lord? If you're excited, can you clap your hands a little bit louder? If you're really excited, why don't you clap your hands, all ye people, and shout unto God with the voice of triumph. Come on, somebody lift up your voice. Hallelujah! Somebody shout yes. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. As I have studied the scripture, I see a pattern throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament, and that is that God would work certain miracles and work many miracles. Uh, not just to work miracles, but he would work miracles with the intention for the people to discover more about him. God was not content for people to just receive a miracle or to be healed or as he opened the blinded eyes and unstopped the deaf ears and healed so many people. 
with his power, but the intention was not for them just to be healed, but it was also that they might get a revelation and understanding of who he was. So God would work throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament and healed and opened blinded eyes, unstopped deaf ears, and healed the lame and did all of these incredible miracles. But it was not just to heal them physically, but it was to give them a spiritual understanding of who he was. And he would do things to reveal who he was. And so we understand a lot about God by what he does. But I would argue that we can understand even more about God by what he does not do. And I would argue that I get more revelation about God not by how he worked, but how he didn't work. <laughs> And I see the power of God not in what he does, but what he does not do. He said, I can pray now for 12 legions of angels to come down and destroy everything. But I'm showing my power by what I'm holding back. He said, he said, I can destroy everything now, but I am holding back judgment. And when I hold back judgment, I release mercy. Can I tell you, you and I, we were born in sin and shaped in iniquity, and we deserve judgment the moment we came out of the womb. But God is showing his power to us because he held back judgment to give us an opportunity to get into the presence of God and get a revelation and an understanding of who he is. I see God's power, not just by what he does, but by what he does not do. When we deserve judgment, can I tell you, he held it back so we can have an opportunity to be in the presence of God and get it right and live for him. I think about before I ever even came into the church. Didn't get into the church until I was 19 years old. But I remember at 18 years old, and when I graduated high school, was not living for God. And I remember I had I just graduated and I had a cousin that it was graduating about an hour from where I was. And she was graduating from high school in Eunice, Louisiana, Eunice High School. And so I wanted to go to my cousin's graduation, and I was a basketball player. I was a played varsity in high school. I would eventually go off to college and play, but I all I was a basketball player. And so all I had was basketball clothes. And so I said I don't want to go to my cousin's graduation in my basketball clothes. So I got to find something nice. All I wore during that time I had a tank top on, Jordan shorts on, Jordan slippers on, Jordan socks on, Jordan headband on with a Jesus peace medallion. That was my get up. And so I said, well, I don't want to go to her graduation like that. And so I'm going to go to the store, get me the nice shirt, get me some nice slacks so I can go to her graduation. I go to the store, get these nice clothes. I get into my car, my little Mishibishi Galant, don't judge. Got in my little Mishibishi Galant. I don't know why my mom got me that. It was burgundy, too. I don't know what. She, she, was, she was trying to set me up. Hallelujah. Mishibishi Galant. I get in the car. And when I got in the car, got my nice dress shirt on, I said, well, you know, I don't know if I should put my seatbelt on because uh, if I put my seatbelt on, it's probably going to wrinkle my shirt. And I don't want to show up there wrinkle. Oh, there's conviction in the house. I know I'm not the only one that ever thought that. I was like, you know, it's not that far. 
you know, I can make it. It's only 45 minutes to an hour, so I'm just going to not put my seatbelt on, and, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go. And so I get in the car, and I start driving. I'm driving about 50, 60 miles an hour, and I'm on this small highway, and, and uh, there's parallel parking on some spots on, of the highway. And as I'm driving, all of a sudden, there is a car that gets into my lane, and it's coming in the opposite direction about 40 to 50 miles an hour. We're about to get in a head-on collision, and I have no time to react to it. As a matter of fact, whenever we're about to hit, literally, it's amazing how time slows down when a tragedy is about to happen. Uh, can I tell you what went through my mind when I'm about to hit this vehicle? I was like, you know what? I'm going to hit this car, and if I put my foot on the brake... I'm still going to collide with it, and the impact of their vehicle could hit me, and it could break my ankle, and there goes my college basketball career. I thought of all of that in like .0005 seconds. So I said, I'm going to hit them anyway, so I'm just going to lift my foot off the brake, allow the contact to happen, and hopefully I'll be spared with no broken bones. That car hit me. We collided head-on collision. It literally pushed me off of, my, off of my driver's seat. My head hit the windshield. Cracks went through all out the windshield. I got over into the passenger side. Both airbags came out. My car literally began to whirl in circles doing a 360. And while my car is whirling like that, on the side of the road, there was parallel parking, and there was a car parked there, and there was a car parked there, and there was one open spot. My car literally did a 360 and landed perfectly in the open spot without touching either car. I deserve to die. But God said, Victor Jackson doesn't know it yet, but he's going to preach my gospel. So I'm going to hold back judgment to give him an opportunity to get it right in my presence. Did he do the same for you? You could have died of a drug overdose. You could have died. Uh, come on, somebody. Uh, but God said, no, I'm not going to let you die. Uh, I'm going to hold back judgment to give you an opportunity to get it right. I got to preach to you right now. Uh, that is the sovereignty of God. God was reaching for you long before you ever reached for him. You think this is the first time God ever seen you? No. He said, before I formed you in the belly, I knew you and I ordained you. He reached for you before your mama even knew your daddy's name. He reached for you before your grandma ever knew your grandpa. He reached for you before your great-great-grandma ever met your great-great-grandpa. He reached for you in the spirit before you ever existed in the flesh. Come on, somebody. And he loved you before you ever even got here. He reached for you. He reached for you. When you were a blasphemer, he still reached for you. Some people think, hallelujah. Some people think, some people say it like this. I got to get to my notes, but I got to preach on the sovereignty of God. Some people think that God can only work in the world with individual faith. Can I preach to you? Some people think God can't do anything without faith. That's not true and that's not biblical. God uses faith as an avenue to reach you. But can I give you a revelation that God created the world without faith. I'm in trouble already. No person's faith here ever created the world. There was no one in existence when God created the world. 
world. He did not use one person's faith to create the world. So if he created everything without faith, why should I think that just because I lack faith, it limits God's work in the world? I'm in trouble. God can use you beyond your faith and beyond your doubt and beyond your unbelief and beyond your faults and beyond your failures because he's bigger than everybody's faith here. He created the world without faith. As a matter of fact, we need faith to understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. That's why we need faith. Faith gives us access to him. But he reached for us and had access to you before you ever ignited your faith. You're not hearing me yet. He reached you before you even knew how to believe, before you even knew how to say the name of Jesus. He was reaching for you in his sovereignty. He is bigger than your doubt and your unbelief and you think you just walked in here on a Sunday morning at your own volition and your own will but God said no it was my spirit that drew you in here because I've been reaching for you in the midst of your atheism I was reaching for you in the midst of your unbelief I was reaching for you long before hallelujah hallelujah he still, he still drew you. No man can come unto the God except the Spirit draw him. The Spirit drew you in here, and you feeling like a wreck. Hallelujah. But he drew you from your wreck into a place that can make you whole all over again. So I see God's power in the things that he does, but I see his power in what he does not do and what he refuses to do. I see God's power before he ever said, let there be light. I see God's power before he ever created a man or a woman. I see God's power before he ever created the earth. I see God's power before he ever created a rock, a plant, a tree, a mountain. I see God's power before he ever created an angel, before the angels ever existed. I see the power of God and before all of that it was God all by himself self-sufficient with no need for man no man has ever given to God where God has gained value and no man has ever received from God where God has lost value in other words if I give you ten dollars I lost ten dollars but if you give me ten dollars I gain ten dollars but no man could ever give or take away from the value of God. He said, I am that I am. And whether you praise me or not, I still am. Some people, uh, they come to church uh, and they think that they're hurting God's feelings uh, because they refuse to praise him. Uh, I'm mad at God. Uh, I'm not clapping. Uh, I'm mad at God. Uh, I'm not dancing. Uh, I'm mad at God. Uh, I'm not responding. Uh, and God's just like, suit yourself. Uh, because if you don't praise me, the rocks, they cry out and they praise me. Uh, if you don't praise me, the mountains, it cries out and it praises me. Uh, if you don't praise with the valley it cries out and it praises me hallelujah here's the revelation you need to praise him more than he needs your praise because when you praise him he inhabits the praises of his people and he'll come down and heal your body while you clapping he'll come down and touch your world while you're shouting he'll come down and change your life while you're praised I wish somebody would clap now I wish somebody would shout now. I wish somebody would dance now. I wish somebody would run now. You need to praise them more than you think you need it. Uh, some people, some people, some people come to church and they're like, man, you know, I would, I would serve God, but all God wants is my money. 
all God wants is my money. My money. Can I give you a revelation? God does not need your money. I'm about to help you. He said, the silver is mine, the gold is mine, I own the cattle on a thousand hills. But here's the revelation. You need God to have your money. Because when you tithe, you get into covenant relationship with God. And he'll protect your job. He'll protect your kids. He'll protect your house. He'll protect your possessions. Why? You need to praise him. You need to give. You need it more than you think you need it. Hallelujah. Self-sufficient with no need for man. Hallelujah. God all by himself before anything ever existed. But here's where I see his power. I see his power because the mind of God was at work before he ever opened his mouth to speak. I got to preach now. The mind of God was at work before his word ever produced manifestation. Before anything was ever created, it was the mind of God that was working, that was there. Everything was regimented in his mind. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. And the Word was God. That Word, the Greek word is logos, the plan, the thought, reason. One commentator called it the science of God. It was the mind of God that was at work before he ever opened his mouth. He did not create the world by happenstance. He did not create you by happenstance. You were in the mind of God before time ever existed. You were in the mind of God before he ever created Adam, before he ever created Eve. You were in the mind of God. That's where, that's where I see his power. His, his mind is regimented. Everything's already done in his mind. It's, all, it's already finished in his mind. And that's where I see his power. If you get a revelation of this, the Bible says that the promises of God are in him, yea and amen. He said the promises exist in him. And because it's in him, it's a yes and it's an amen. In other words, God existed before time began and God existed before the enemy was created, which means that your promise was sealed in God before the devil ever existed. Your promise was sealed in God before your circumstance ever came. Therefore, the enemy does not have the power over your promise because it is sealed in the bosom of God and in order for the enemy to get your promise he would have to attack God to get it and we know he can't attack God your promise is a yes and an amen because it is sealed It is sealed. Therefore, what comes afterward has no power over what is before. So my circumstance came afterward. Therefore, time and circumstance cannot stop or nullify the promise of God from coming to pass in my life. The enemy cannot stop it. If he tries to go after it, he has to, has to confront God, and he will not do that. So here's the thing. The enemy can't stop my promise because it's sealed in God before time began. The lamb was slain before the foundation of the world. The lamb was slain in the mind of God before it ever manifested. You're not hearing me yet. Your promise is eternal in nature, and it existed in God, and nothing behind it can stop it. So here's what happens. Your circumstance can't stop the promise from coming to pass. Your enemy can't stop the promise from coming to pass. The only thing that can stop your promise from coming to pass is you. So because Satan can't attack your promise, he will attack you. The holder of the promise to make you willingly abort the promise. Your promise is not the variable. You are the variable. 
But if you make up your mind that you're holding on, God said, it's a yes and it's an amen. And he says, so shall my word be was going forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall prosper in the thing whereto I have sent it and it shall accomplish. You see, you see, see, I'm talking about God before time. Oh, for your circumstance ever came, God factored it in. And if you hold on to your promise, you'll use your circumstance to work for your promise. Our light affliction, which is but for a moment, watch this, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. My affliction isn't working against me. It's working for me. It's on my side pushing me into promise. If I just make up my mind to hold on to it. So God in all of his power and all of his amazing majesty, he has all of this to himself. And he has no avenue or pathway to release himself. My Lord in heaven. He has no avenue to release who he is because he's all by himself. As a matter of fact, God had no one to talk to when he was before everything. He had no one to talk to. So the Bible says he counseled with himself. You're never more like God than when you talk to yourself. When people start making fun of you for talking to yourself, you just be like, no, no, I'm being like God. I'm being like God. I'm being like God. I'm being Christ-like. Hallelujah. Counsel with himself has no avenue to reveal himself. So he creates time and the earth for the sole purpose to produce revelation and understanding of who he is. Before God created anything, Revelation did not exist because there was no one for God to reveal himself to. So he created the earth in time for the sole purpose to produce revelation and understanding of who he is. The heavens declare the glory of God. It reveals God. Everything that God put in this earth has one sole intention, one sole responsibility, and that is to reveal God. It's the only responsibility. He created it all for one purpose, so you can get a revelation of who he is. The rock Reveal God. The moon. The planets. The grass. The ant. Yes, the mosquito. <laughs> he created it to reveal who he is. So man would have no excuses at judgment day. He said, man, you are inexcusable. He said, because the Godhead is plainly seen by nature. The whole world should come to a revelation of the oneness of God when they look at nature. you hearing me? So when they go to judgment and they say, God, I didn't know God's going to look at him. He says, weren't you eating that mango the other day? 
Yeah, he said, no excuses. Because I put it there to draw you to me. But, but God, I didn't know. Well, weren't you, didn't you skip that rock across the lake that one time? Yes, sir. No excuses. Because I put it there to give you a revelation of me. So he creates time and the earth for the sole purpose to release himself. So he creates man. This is my whole point of this message, by the way. I had to build up to it. Hallelujah. He creates man. And man is made in the image of God. The crown of his creation. And when he makes man, he creates Adam out of the dust of the ground. And he said, Adam, you're in my image, so I want you to exercise your dominion in the earth. I want you to start naming these animals. So Adam starts naming these animals. And Adam gets so bored naming these animals. Something flies across his face, and he's like, fly. He sees it get on a piece of fruit. He's like, fruit fly. God's like, I got to find a help me for this guy. Now, now, now, it's one thing when God says you're lonely. getting nervous out there. It's one thing when God says you're lonely, because we like to say, oh, you lonely, just go to Jesus, you know, just pray to Jesus, just talk to Jesus, Jesus is your husband. But it's one thing when Jesus looks at you and he's like, you're lonely. You're like, hold on, God, I thought you were all I need. Yeah, I am all you need, but you're getting weird on me right now. You need to get married. somebody's word for this whole service. So, he says, you need to help me. And so, the Bible says that God starts looking for Adam's help meet, and there was no help meet found for him. God was looking for Adam's answer on the outside. Until God realized, hold on, Adam's answer is not on the outside, it's already within him. So I've got to put him through something, a deep sleep, so I can get out of him what I've already placed in him. Can I tell you why you've been going through so much hell in your life? It's to get every gift that God has put in you for it to come out of you. God said, you're acting too timid with your gift. You're scared about what everybody's going to say about you. If you be who I've created you to be. So I'll raise up a little hell in your life to get what I put in you for it to come out of you. And it's not the devil that's attacking you. I'm the one that's bringing it to bring something out of you that has been hidden. So God said, if you won't pray voluntarily, I'll raise up enough hell in your life to make you pray involuntarily. If you won't fast voluntarily, I'll raise up enough hell to make you fast involuntarily. Since you won't clap voluntarily, I'll make the hell so bad in your life where you can't help but lift up your voice and clap your hands to get this thing out of here.
It's amazing that when things are going good, we're so comfortable. Some of y'all, you haven't even stood up one time this service because you're so blessed. God says, I got something for that. Let me, devil, go ahead and get her because there's too much destiny in her for her to be calloused and comfortable. Devil, get him because there's too much anointing in there. There's too much purpose in there. Oh, somebody clap right now. Hey, somebody clap right now. Come on, clap until you feel something come out of you. Shout until you feel something come out of you. Hola, mama. Shut up. Hallelujah. Adam, we like to think that when Eve came out of Adam, that Adam was like Play-Doh or something. Oh, thanks for the rib. No, that was surgery. God cut him open. So Adam had to be willing to suffer pain and suffer loss so God could create something beautiful out of his loss. He lost the rib and gained the wife. He woke up out of that surgery. Ooh, God, what did you do to, ooh. This is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. And when I see what God created out of my pain, it was worth It was worth every wound. It was worth every struggle. It was worth every loss. When I see the beauty of what God has created before me out of my pain and suffering. Uh, hallelujah. He lost a grip and he gained a wife. Uh, Eve, I know you messed up, Eve. Eve, you, you guys messed up. You're in sin. I, you messed up. But Eve, I got an answer for your problem. The seed of the woman is going to bruise the head of the serpent. He said, your answer is not coming on the outside, Eve. It's coming from what's already within you. And what's in you is going to reverse the curse. I'd preach this thing. Uh, think about it with me. Saul's sin. Am I, if I'm helping you, wave a hand. Wave a hand right now if I'm helping you. Okay. okay. Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. Saul sinned against God, and so God said, I, uh, go to Jesse's house, Samuel, because I found a man after my own heart. I found a man after my own heart. Go to Jesse's house. Watch this. So Samuel goes to Jesse's house, and he doesn't find a man. He finds a boy. But there was a man in the boy. So God had to raise up a giant to get the man out of the boy. Your giant is working for you because it's going to produce something out of you. And you didn't know you can worship like that. You didn't know you were anointed like that. You didn't know you could be used like that. Thank you, giant. I didn't know I was that anointed. But you made me look what's on the inside. And I realize that I'm more than a conqueror. I realize that I... And you know what's interesting? After David killed that giant, they begin to sing, Saul has slayed his thousands and David his ten thousands. Hold on one second. David only killed one person. And the Bible says that they sang that he slew 
10,000. If you only knew how many victories your giant was connected to. He killed one giant and he got immediately 10,000 victories. Can I tell you, the giant that you're up against right now is going to pave the way for your daughter, your son, this community, this next generation. If you only knew what your trial was connected to. Somebody clap if you believe that. Hibaba Seta. Hallelujah. Hallelujah to God. God said, I'll raise up what I got to raise up to provoke something out of you that is hidden in your, in your comfort life, that is hidden in your, in your comfort zone, that is hidden, that you don't even know that's there. As a matter of fact, many of you, you wouldn't even be in church here this morning if it wasn't for a little bit of hell in your life. God used your hell to provoke you into his presence. God has a way of using your adversity and having your adversity become your advantage. Sometimes your adversity is your biggest advantage. How did you get that anointing? Well, I went through a little bit of hell, but the hell helped me. Hey, I thank God for my hell because my hell knows how to help me. God can use my dilemma and turn it into destiny. God can use my trial and turn it into triumph. God can use let me ask you a question what what hell do you have to go through for it to finally come out of you how much do you have to lose before you finally worship hello what do you have to go through for it to finally come out what pain do you have to endure where, where we don't have to pressure you anymore? Where we don't have to drag you by your ear and ask you and beg you to praise? What do you have to go through where it is voluntarily instead of us trying to force it out of you? Come on, somebody. If you only had a revelation of the power that's on the inside, we would not have to beg you. No, you voluntarily stand up on your feet and say, I got something, and I got something from God. And God, you don't have to force it out of me. I give it to you freely. Freely worship right now. Come on, everybody stand on your feet and clap your hands and freely worship in this building. Your pain, your pain is a pathway of release. Your pain is there to release things out of you that you didn't know was there. The Holy Ghost spoke to me very clearly concerning this service. There are people that have been in trials, in darkness, have been hurting, there's been betrayal, there's been hurt after hurt, wound after wound. But God said, I'm using it to push things out of them that they never knew was there. Jesus. I feel it. I feel it being released in this atmosphere. I feel it being released in this atmosphere. Satan tried to use your pain to destroy you, but God is using it as a pathway. Of release. It's going to release the prophetic. 
is going to release the miraculous, is going to release the anointing, is going to release your future, is going to release. Lift up your hands where you are right now. Oh! Come on, somebody cry out to God right now. Come on, somebody cry out to God right now. Come on, I feel something being released here. Come on, let that cry come out. Oh, hallelujah. Grab that person next to you by the hand right now. And I want you to pray that God will release everything out of them that needs to come out of them. There's destiny that is being released in this house. Close your eyes and pray over that person. Lord, let it come out. Let it come out. Oh, I want everyone from the front to the back. I want everyone to come up to this altar right now. Something's about to be released in this atmosphere. Come up to the front. We're going to have a time of prayer before we leave. That's it. From the front to the back, make your way up. God's going to release something out of you. You're not going to, what's in you is going to be greater than what's come against you. What's in you is going to overpower what's come against you. Hallelujah, Jesus. What's in you is going to overpower what's come against you. What's in you is going to overpower what comes against you. What's in you is going to overpower what comes against you. Jesus was the Prince of Peace. He is the Prince of Peace. But the Prince of Peace was in a storm at the bottom of the boat, asleep. The Prince of Peace is on a boat, yet the storm is raging on until finally the storm provoked the peace that was in Jesus to come out of Jesus as he said peace be still and what's in him overpowered what came against him God's going to release something out of you it's going to overwhelm your enemy it's going to overwhelm your storm but I feel right now in this atmosphere is there some people here 
that have endured so much in your life that you've become hardened toward the things of God. You heard so much about hope in your life, so much about joy, and yet things still happen to you that you never understood. And so you've been have a hardened heart, very hardened. You don't want it to be hardened. You wouldn't be here if you wanted it to remain that way. But afflictions and trials has just put a cone, a steel cone around that heart that God has been trying to break through if you'll let him. So the Lord said, the only way that it's going to break forth and break open afresh is for us to turn our hearts to him afresh through repentance. Repentance is saying, God, I'm sorry for my sins. I'm sorry for everything that I've done. I'm sorry for my hardness. God, I turn away from my sinful condition. I turn away from my hardness. I take turn away from it, and I turn my heart and my mind and my soul to you right now. I need your help. I can't do it without you. Everyone's commanded to repent. This preacher holding this mic, I've got to repent every day, as the apostles did in the New Testament. They repented daily. No one ever graduates from repentance. No one's ever so spiritual that they never need to repent. So together, we're going to ask God to forgive us, to wash us, to cleanse us, to help us, to give us that tenderness again. And when we pray, I don't want you to meditate right now. Everyone say, don't meditate. There's a time for meditation. Right now is not that time. Because you've been keeping so much in you already. You don't need to keep your thoughts to yourself right now when you're talking to God. We're going to open up our mouths. We're going to ask him to forgive us. We don't have, you don't have to name your sin, but you do have to ask him to forgive you. If you don't know what to say, you just say, Lord, I need you to forgive me. I need you to give me that tender heart again. This is instrumental. This is important to what God is trying to do in this house this morning. Everyone close your eyes and lift up both hands. And let's ask the Lord to forgive us. Lord Jesus, I'm so sorry for all of my sins. I'm so sorry for everything that I've done. God, I'm sorry for my hardened heart. I'm so sorry for the things that I've endured. I'm so sorry, God, for walking away from you and not having that nearness and closeness like I used to have. God, I ask you to wash me and to cleanse me, Jesus. I turn away from the things that have been holding me down and holding me back and holding me away from being close to you. I turn it away from it, Jesus. I need your help. I need your strength. I need your anointing. I need you to release something over my life that'll change me forever. Come on. That's it. You got to talk to him. That's it. Open up your mouth and talk to him. Forgive me, Jesus. Wash me, Jesus. I open my heart to you afresh. Do what you want to do in me. I don't, I don't want to be in control of my life anymore. I want you to be in control of my life. I want you to be in control, Jesus. Uh, I turn away from my mistakes. I turn away from my failures. I turn away from everything that's been holding me back. Forgive me from sins that I've committed. I'm ready to start new with you, Jesus.
Ile bebebe şataya. İbaba şataya. Oh hallelujah. Oh hallelujah. Oh there's a spirit of repentance in this place. That's it. Just let it settle over you. There's a spirit of repentance in this place. I want to walk with you, God. I want to live for you. Oh, I want to live for you, Jesus. Oh, I want to live for you, Jesus. Oh, I want to live for you, Jesus. Oh, I want to live for you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Oh, I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I want to walk with you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, I love you, Jesus. Let me tell you what's about to happen in this place this morning. The Holy Ghost is going to come and descend upon every person here. There are people here that are going to receive a fresh touch. A fresh touch. I'm going to pray and release faith over your life. I'm going to release blessings. I'm going to release the things of God over your life right now. I'm going to pray blessing over you. And when I'm done, I'm going to rejoice in what God has done and what he's going to do. I'm going to shout, Jesus. Everyone say, Jesus. When I shout Jesus, I want everyone in this building to shout to the top of your lungs, Jesus. When you shout Jesus, many of you, there's many of you here that have never received the gift of the Holy Ghost, which is God's Spirit coming and dwelling in you. Jesus Christ coming and dwelling in you, evidenced by speaking in an unknown tongue speaking in other tongues. All the apostles spoke in tongues. Mary spoke in tongues. All, every New Testament believer spoke in tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. God endued them with power. And the Bible says that the Holy Ghost is like out of your belly flowing rivers of living waters. When you receive the Holy Ghost, it's like it releases a spout. Something begins to pour out of you. You can get on your own. When I shout Jesus, I want you to shout it with everything in you. And if you have never spoken in tongues, when you shout Jesus, you're going to feel to speak in something you don't understand. You just let it out. That's the gift of the Holy Ghost. Let those tongues go. Don't try to analyze it. There's people here, when you shout Jesus, you're going to get a fresh touch, a fresh anointing. He's going to roll away the callous. It's going to roll away the hardness, and it's going to get your heart open to the things of God again. I want everyone to close your eyes and lift up both hands and expectation one last time. I want you to begin to see things being released over your life that's going to change you forever. By the authority that is in the Word of God, and by the power that is in your name, I release now the gift of faith to come upon every believer. 
I release now the power of the Holy Ghost to come upon every believer. I release now the power of your spirit, miracles, signs, and wonders. I release now a fresh unction of the Holy Ghost where your people will never be the same. I release your people from bondage now. I release them from shackles now. I release them from the past now in the name of Jesus. Ikala la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la